and the various shades of meanings of the word faith. Today is 26, is that correct? Of the word faith as used in the Bible. Message number two. The word faith in the New Testament, past, part one. The word what? Faith where? In the New Testament, part one. Last Thursday, what was the message number one? The word faith in the Old Testament. Is that correct? So we began by making the following observations. First and foremost, that the word faith is one of the most confusing words in the Bible. The reason being that is highly misunderstood. And therefore, it is necessary that we clarify the use of that word. If we must understand the concept, the divine and biblical concept of faith, we must understand the usage of the word faith in the Bible. And if we must have an effective experience of faith, we better understand the use of this word in the Bible. Is that clear to you? Huh? And we saw, we, we also observed that the word faith has a multiplicity of meanings. We're looking at faith as a word. Are you following? And we found out that in the entire Bible, it has a multiplicity of what? Meanings. And all we're trying to do is to this. And, and what happens is that that word has many shades of meaning. You know that many words have shades of meaning. Is that correct? Amen. Even in modern English, praise the Lord. Amen. So, we need to understand the various shades of meaning so that when we see that word, faith, in the Bible, we understand what it's talking about. For the most part, what majority of people understand faith to be is only one shade of meaning. Are you all following? Amen. And because of that, whenever they see the word faith in the Bible, they understand it to have that one meaning. <laughs> but it's not so. Does anybody follow what I'm saying? So we began to see it, and that the, the major reason why this is so is that in the original language of the Bible, or languages of the Bible, uh, uh, we, and these are Hebrew in the Old Testament, is that correct? In the Old Testament, the major ancient language is Hebrew, with a few exceptions in Ezra, Daniel, that were Aramaic. And in the New Testament, the major language, and we're talking about the language used to write these testaments. The New Testament, the major language used to write it was what? Greek. And that Greek was common Greek. It was like pidgin Greek in writing it. But the people of the time, in the first century, and, and the time of Jesus spoke Aramaic as their spoken language. But the written language was what? Greek. And so, because of the nature of these languages, the word faith has multiplicity of meanings. And then, also, this multiplicity of meanings varies from one testament to the other. And what we are looking at is this. That in the Old Testament, let me recap what we said in the Old Testament, and that will help us to go ahead. In the Old Testament, faith, the word faith, or faith as an experience, faith as an experience, as a doctrine, as uh, a spiritual experience, as a concept, has a strong presence in the Old Testament. However, 
you hardly see the word faith in its noun form in the Old Testament. With one exception. Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 4. The righteous shall live by faith. In other places in the Old Testament where faith as an experience or as a doctrine were spoken about, it was spoken of in its what? Verb form. And the verb form is believe or to believe. Is that clear? And so, most of the places they saw faith spoken of in the Old Testament, it was in the verb form that you will find that concept. We saw passages in the Bible. Is that correct? For instance, in Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 20, it said, believe in the Lord and you shall, you know, succeed and so on and so forth. Believe also in his what? Prophet. And you shall prosper. Is that correct? So that's faith there as an experience and as a concept. Is that correct? But it was not spoken of in its noun form. What is the noun form? Faith. F-A-I-T-H. But it was spoken of in its what? Verb form. Another thing we notice in the Old Testament is that the word believe as used there was derived from two Hebrew words. The first one was what? A man. From what, where you derive the word? A man. A man means what? To what? Stand firm. To believe or to confirm. Is that correct? To be firm or to stand firm. That means if you believe God and what God is doing, you stand firm on the word of God that shows you that. Is that correct? You are immovable. You don't move. And that's actually what belief is about at the end of the day. After you're persuaded. Is that correct? It is because of that attitude of firmness that your word, what? Persuaded to do what? Speak. And when you speak out of faith as a form of believing, you don't move. Am I right? And when you are acting out of faith in the form of believing, your actions are firm. Remember the Bible tells us in the New Testament that you don't allow yourself to be what? Tossed what? To and fro, like the, by the wave, like as if you are tossed by the wave of the sea. And you know, if you stand firm, circumstances will not move you. So the first Hebrew word interpreted or translated believe in the Old Testament was a man or what? A man. Uh, and a man actually means so be it. When you hear the word of God that tells you, it doesn't matter what the situation around you is. It doesn't matter what the circumstances are. But there's a word that comes out from the word of God. And you say what? Amen. What are you saying? So be it. So be what? The circumstances? No. The situations? No. Or the absence of the circumstances? No. In the midst of the circumstances, you see the word of God. You say amen. What you're saying to that word of God? So be it. As somebody says, huh? God says it, right? And what happens? I believe it, right? And that what settles it. That's what amen is. Amen. Praise the Lord. Even though we say it casually, uh, you know, mindlessly these days, without meaning what we are saying. 
And we saw it used in the New Testament. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are in Jesus. Yea, and they amen by who? Us. Jesus is the yes of God to his promises. Jesus is the confirmation of all of God's promises of old. And when God shows us Jesus on the cross and says, this is the fulfillment of all my promises, what is he expecting for us? Amen. By us. What is he saying? No matter what the circumstances are, when we see Jesus on the cross, we say, oh, if Jesus died, that settles and rose again, that settles it. Another word in the Old Testament that was translated believe was emuna. Is that correct? And emuna, we say that the real meaning actually is not faith, is what? Faithfulness. That's the primary meaning. And faithfulness, what are the synonyms of that faithfulness? L hear me. Reliability. Dependability. Are you following? And both God, and it's an, usually an attribute which you expect from both God and God's people. Are you following? On the side of God, faithfulness it speaks of God's character whereby he is continually, constantly, consistently responsive to the needs of his people, which is gracious provisions. That's faithfulness. It doesn't matter what the situation says. It doesn't matter what, who you are. God is consistently responsive to you. He will always be there for you. That's in a nutshell. Amen? On the side of man, the same thing. Man should be able, in two ways, man should be able to see God as somebody who is reliable. Amen? That's faithfulness in a sense. And also, man should also be able to put himself, even with our imperfections, we should be able to put ourselves in a situation, in a certain state, that God can rely on us. We may not always be so, but it's an attribute of God which he imparts on us. And we'll talk more of it tonight. Are you following what I'm saying? And, and let, let me say this to you, brethren. Both God and man expect to rely on us, to depend on us. Are we always dependable? No, but that's not an excuse. You don't understand what I'm saying. That's not an excuse. And we are going to talk more about that. So that's emuna, faithfulness. Amen? We saw Sarah. That was actually what enabled Sarah to believe. What enabled Sarah to believe for conception was the faithfulness of God. Because the Bible says he consider, she considered him who has spoken, meaning God has a track record. <laughs> Are you following? You know, you like to deal with people who have a track record. Is that correct? If you have to seek a lawyer for anything, God forbid, you don't have to. We don't have to, right? You want to know, does he try that kind of cases? How many has he won? If he's a surgeon or a doctor, they refer to you. One question patients ask is that, have you done this case before? How many of them have you done? Even the anesthesia people, they ask us, are you following? Because, and if they have, if you, you know they have a track record. A lot of you do it. You Google your doctors, you Google your lawyers, you Google your accountant, you Google everybody, Google your pastor. <laughs> to find out if he's consistent. Huh? And sometimes to find out if he pays his bills. Praise the Lord. 
Amen. Before you give your time. <laughs> I'm telling you, people do this. What are they looking for? Faithfulness. Let's face it. So all of us, are we not concerned if God is faithful or not? Huh? That's why we follow the true God. If you follow idols, you're done. That's why we look for the true God. That's why we follow Jesus. Because he's faithful. Is that correct? Yes. But guess what? Jesus looks at us and says, is this one faithful? Does he know we have weaknesses? But that's not an excuse. He's not looking for perfection, but he's looking for a degree. A, a degree of faithfulness. And you know what? We can grow. Are you all following what I'm saying? We can grow. Parents here, you look for faithfulness in your children. Is that not true? And listen, faithfulness, reliability, dependability, they are one. They go together. If somebody is faithful, you can rely on them. You can depend on them. Is that not true? So as much as you look to God and see if he's dependable, I want you to bear in mind that he's also looking at you and say, is this one dependable? And it's an important character that comes from faith that we must not negate. Let's go to the New Testament. Are you ready for the New Testament? Now, under the New Testament, both the word, I'll give you the statistics next time, both the word faith and believe are very profusely used, especially in the book of John. <laughs> believe is noted for the book of John, the gospel of John, and the epistles of John noted for that. You repeated it repetitively used. And the word faith is all over the place. And they occur in both the noun form and the verb form. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And the, the noun form is derived from the Greek. Pistis. Pistis. Did you hear that? Amen. The verb form is derived from the Greek. Pisteo. Pistis, P-I-S-T-I-S. The, the verb form is derived from the word pisteo. Pisteo means it's spelled P-I-S-T-E-U-O. If you read my book, I said they are joined at the hips. The hips is pist, P-I-S-T. Are you following? The noun continues as with I-S. The verb continues with E-U-O. Do you notice that? So, piste is faith. Pisteo, to believe. Another word for to believe is peito, which is the word for persuasion. Peito. But without getting too much into Greek, here's another observation. And of course, you know that when you speak of a noun, you're speaking of a thing. Is that correct? Or a person. Is that correct? When you're speaking of, uh, about a verb, you're speaking about an action or activity. So the word faith is a thing. That's why we use, I use my teacher, I use this senses, spiritual senses. Are you following? Because in that form, noun form, faith can be a pair of spiritual eyes, which is a thing. Are you following? Or spiritual ears, or spiritual tongue, or spiritual skin, or spiritual nostrils. Are you all following? They are things, they are senses, those spiritual senses. That's faith. But to believe is an activity or action. Pisteo. Praise the Lord. So you use your faith, the thing, 
to believe the activity or action. Are you all following? So, but another difference between the use of the word faith in the New, te the New Testament uh, as different from the Old Testament is that in the New Testament, there are at least four shades of meaning of that word faith. How many did I say? The last time I counted, four shades of meaning. And each shade of meaning is different from the other. So you have, when you open the New Testament, you will see the word faith many times. But they are not always saying the same thing. And when people don't understand this, what I'm talking about now, then they have problem understanding faith. Is that okay? All right. Have you had people say, oh, don't bother me. I don't have faith. Faith is a gift. The other person, no, oh, faith is a fruit. Is that, have you had something like that? Huh? Oh, the other person say faith is that. Faith is that because they don't recognize the fact that there are four different shades of meaning. Can we look at the shades of meaning now? Am I making sense to you? Listen, this can take care of every problem you have too. I don't have to talk about demons tonight or healing or sicknesses or sin or forgiveness. We, we'll talk about this or spiritual warfare. No, this is important also. Are you ready? Yeah, it, may, it may sound theological, but it's not. This is a simple way you can navigate through your Bible and understand faith. We've taught faith so much, but it's one type of faith that we have been teaching. Are you following? So I don't want to give you an impression. And when we come to the faith we have been teaching, I will tell you what it is. So the first shade of the word faith we are going to, in the New Testament that we're going to look at is of faith as a religious profession. Faith as a what? A religious profession or religious confession. What do I mean by that? There are times a religious profession is a set or system of belief or a belief system. Are you following what I'm saying? Huh? That's what a religious profession, what I mean by religious profession. Amen? All right. So, uh, for instance, uh, I mean, uh, as a religious body, religious profession means a religious body or religious vocation or a set of belief or a belief system. That's what we mean by that. There are times in the New Testament you will see the word faith used to describe Christianity as a religious profession or as a religious body or as a belief system. There are times in the New Testament that word is used that way. Huh? And what do we mean by that? In that sense, faith is used in the New Testament to speak of Christianity as a religious body or a religious profession or a religious a set of religious beliefs that is centered on the person of Jesus of Nazareth as the Son of God and the Christ. Follow what I'm saying? I'll give you scriptures. And also, it centers on the finished work of Jesus on the cross as the basis of salvation, redemption and salvation. 
Let me say that again. There are places in the New Testament that the word faith is used to describe or to speak of Christianity as a religious body or a religious belief or a, a religious uh, uh, vocation or a religious belief system founded and built upon the divine revelation of Jesus of Nazareth as a son of God and Christ. And also, based Jesus, uh, that reveals Christianity as something found, a revelation founded upon the finished work of Jesus and as the basis of redemption and salvation and also the basis of righteousness. Have you been filling forms, right? Somewhere, right? And they ask you your religious affiliation. Is that correct? Huh? If you're a Christian, you write Christian, right? The Muslim writes what? Islam. Is that correct? The Hindu writes Hinduism. The Buddhist writes Buddhism. The Jew writes Judaism. The Confucianist writes Confucian. <laughs> Confucianism, yeah? Not Confucian. That's a religion known as Confucianism. Amen. It's an Eastern religious practice. Then the animist writes animism. The secular mind will tell you these are their faiths. See the use of the word faith in that sense. Are you all following? Okay. So for us as Christians, in that case, our faith in that sense is Christianity. Praise God. Let me give you an example. Let me... What is Christianity based on in that sense? We say Christianity as a faith is based on the revelation of... And that's a faith that's founded and based on the revelation that Jesus of Nazareth is the Son of God and the Christ or the Messiah. Is that correct? And on the fact that on the basis of his finished work hmm, of the cross. That's the only basis you can have salvation or redemption, salvation, and righteousness with God. So that's the use of faith as a religious profession, or especially in our case for Christianity. Go with me to Titus chapter 1 verse 4. Titus 1 4. Praise God. Are you following what I'm saying? Okay. Titus 1.4. Amen. He said, To Titus, my true child, in a common faith. Did you see the use of the word faith there? What is the common faith he's talking about? Christianity as a religious vocation, as a religious uh, body, and the set of belief system that is based on the fact that Jesus is the Son of God and the Christ. And on the fact that righteousness, redemption, salvation and righteousness can only be found 
in the person and finished work of Jesus. So the use of the word faith there is not in the sense of receiving healing or anything from God. It's in the sense of being someone who had avowed himself to that belief system known as Christianity. But in the Greek, the same word, pistis, but the context gives you a shade of meaning. Did you get that? Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Grace and peace from God, the Father, and Christ Jesus, our Savior. You notice it's centered on God and, the, and Jesus. That's a belief system there. So he said, go back to verse 4. Amen. To Titus, my true child, where? In the common, in a common faith. Now, being a set of belief or a belief system where you are part of, you're supposed to be productive. You're supposed to beget children. Saturday outreach, it's an opportunity for you to beget spiritual children. Are you following what I'm saying? Huh? That's the point. You have to beget because it's a body now. It's a house. Have you seen the Bible talk about the household of faith? Huh? And the household of God. You notice it's a household of what? Faith. That, that's another scripture that talks about that. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So your faith here is spoken in the sense of a household. This is not talking about faith with which you can receive any specific grace of God. Like healing or salvation or deliverance. Are you following? Let, turn with me also to 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. Amen. 2 Peter 1, 1. It says, and I read, Simon Peter, a bond servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have received a what? A faith of the same kind as ours. By the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. Notice that. What did they receive? A faith uh, of the same kind as what? Ours. Common faith. Paul writing to Timothy, uh, to Titus, calls it common faith. Peter is using the same sense here. It's common faith. You received the same faith as I did. What is the faith there? Faith that is centered on the fact that Jesus is the Son of God and the Messiah, the Christ. And also that his finished work is the basis, the sole basis for what? Redemption from the power of Satan and what? Salvation in Christ. That is of the faith we are talking about here. Did you see that shade of meaning? Huh? Anyone that believes in those truths, it's in the faith known as Christianity. Am I making sense to anybody here? So that you don't go there and see that faith. Say, huh. You say, but how does it say? It doesn't say. I, you know, see people argue. It doesn't say you receive that. Faith does not always receive anything. Blah, blah, blah. They don't understand what they are talking about. The thing is that the context of the use of the word faith here is different. And many Christians don't know this. Many preachers don't know this. So we use the word faith, we jumble it, we throw it all around the place, and there's confusion. 
Are you all following me? All right. So let's look at, you know, another scripture. And it talks about, that's the one we spoke about already. Um, amen. Go with me to Galatians 6 verse 10. Galatians 6, 10. Amen. It says, So then, while we have opportunity, let us do good to who? All people. Does all people mean all people? That means even non-Christians. Is that correct? But here is the point. And especially to those who are of the household of what? Faith. Uh-huh. Did you notice that? So faith here is used of as a spiritual household. So it's saying the first one is a do good to everybody of every other faith, but especially to those who are of the faith known as Christianity. So the use of faith here is as of a religious vocation or religious body. What is the thing that joins all Christians? Their belief in the fact of the revelation that Jesus is the Son of God and the Christ. Is that not true? That he died, was buried, and rose again on the last day. And on the basis of that finished work, and only on that basis can anybody find what? Redemption. Be brought into what? Salvation. And is able to do what? Walk in what? Righteousness with God. Praise the Lord. So anybody, anywhere, it doesn't matter their biological heritage, uh, uh, pedigree. It doesn't matter their cultural pedigree and heritage. It doesn't matter where they were born. Are you all hearing me? Huh? As long as they believe in those facts, they are of the same faith. They are in this common faith. And now, this faith here is not the faith with which we receive things. Because when it comes to that, we have different levels. Is that not correct? We are different. But when it comes to this faith as a household, as a religious vocation, that's what draws us, draws us together. If you look at this room, if you look at this room, you don't know anyone from Adam. Is that not true? Eh? Okay. We didn't know. Some people were born in D.C. I was born in P.H. If you know where that is. Amen. Some were born in North Carolina, some in South Carolina, some in Togo, some in everywhere. We didn't know each other. But when we came to Christ, the Bible said we are brothers one to another in the household of what? Faith or the household of who? God. So that household of faith is somewhere in the New Testament called the household of God. Are you following so is Christianity a household? Yes. If I take off from here, from TSC, and travel abroad to anywhere in the country, I can walk into any Christian church. If I'm not sure what they believe, I Google them. Again, Googling. Is that correct? I say they believe in Jesus is the Son of God. They believe Jesus is the only way to God. They believe that he died, was buried, and rose again on the third day. Are you all following? That he's coming back again. Listen to me. I will walk in there like I'm walking into TLC. 
Why? I am of the common faith with them. Has that happened to you? Yes. You've traveled out. And you come back and say, hey, did you go to church in the place? You better make sure. They write, you don't see just people gather. And you go. On Facebook, on Twitter, and everything, you have to be careful. You have to know where they believe. If they believe something different, I mean, fundamental Christian doctrine, then you are not of the same faith. You are not of common faith. Turn with me to Acts chapter 4. Let's see what we believe here. What makes it common? Acts chapter 4, quickly. Acts, the fourth chapter. Are you there? Is anybody understanding what we're dealing with here? See, another meaning, shade of meaning of the word faith. Acts 4, verse 12. Go to verse 12. Amen? Verse 12. And there is salvation in no one else. Come on. For there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. Is everybody in this room in belief of that? Do you all believe that? Then that's we are in common faith. Is Jesus the Son of God? Was he born of the virgin? Okay. Was he holy, completely holy? Was he perfectly righteous? Okay. Did he die on the cross? For himself? For us? Because of our sins? Did he bear our judgment? Did he justify us? Did he shed his blood? Was he raised on the third day? Or was he buried and raised on the third day? Is he coming back? That's the name. That makes us what? Guess what? My ancestors didn't believe that. And if you are still alive, and you say, I don't believe that, he and I will cut off. I'm, I'm not kidding. And I'll ask anybody there who's not my ancestor, I say, you believe in death? So you say, yes, I hug you. <laughs> you know, they say blood is thicker, right? The blood of Jesus is even more thicker. That's the common faith. And you have to appreciate what I'm talking about. Faith on this level. You have to appreciate it. Hallelujah. And this understanding must guide everything you do. Are you hearing me? You don't do, ignore this, and you want to exercise faith for healing. You want to exercise faith for ministry when you ignore this. If you ignore this and marry an unbeliever, you're done. If you come to me, I'm asking you, what faith is the person? He says he goes to church. I'm not, I'm not interested. I'll ask you, is he born again? And don't tell me anything in between. It's like asking you, are you married? You say, um, let me check. I'm just telling you the truth. If I ask you, are you married? You don't tell me my parents were married. Huh? You tell me yes or no. Nothing in between. And then, so that's why when we ask you, are you married or non-believer or not? Okay. Second question. Sometimes, apart from marriage, are you still in the faith? You should be able to say yes or no. Are you following the, the uh, you know, men may not be able to tell exactly what the truth is, but it should show up. Does it mean that you're perfect? No. Praise the Lord. Let's go to the second shade of meaning. Praise the Lord. Are you ready for that? If you have read my book, you should have been teaching me this. The, the reason why you're just 
very attentive. You're not, you've not read the book. It's all in my book. But it's okay. I've waited for you to study it. You didn't, so I'm bringing it to you. All right. The second shade of meaning of faith in the New Testament is faith as a fruit of the Spirit. Faith as a what? A fruit of the Spirit. This is one of the most confusing ones. What is the fruit of the Spirit? Singular fruit. Have you heard of the, the expression fruit of the Spirit before? Huh? All right. The fruit of the Spirit is a set of Christ-like attributes or character traits. Are you following? I say it's a set of what? Christ-like what? Attributes or character what? Traits or virtues. Spiritual virtues. Or character traits of God. Sorry. Christ-like attributes or character traits of God of moral virtues produced and manifested in the believer by the Holy Spirit. Let me say that again. That's very important. The key idea here is character. Are you following? So, the fruit of the Spirit, there are nine individual components, but the word in the Bible is singular, fruit. Amen? It's a set of Christ-like what? Attributes. Or what? Character traits of God. Or if you like, moral virtues. Produced where? In the believer. By what? And mani- produced and, in the, and manifested in the believer. Manifested through the believer, right? By who? The Holy Spirit. is the nature of God that is embodied, Christ embodied all of them. And the Holy Spirit is the one that shows them and operates them to manifest in you and me. So we call them the fruit of the Spirit because they are sown and operated and brought forth by the Holy Spirit. Are you following? All right. So those are the fruit of the Spirit. I say they are ninefold. Is that correct? Another thing is you need to know about them is that as, as fruit, they are character. As a fruit or character in the believer, here's what they do. So, they, they kind of bring forth the virtues of God in us. They are divine virtues that are sown in the believer and cultivated by the believer through the operation of the Holy Spirit. Amen? You know, one thing about fruit is a product of cultivation. You know that? Huh? Fruit is a product of what? Cultivation of what? Of a seed and a tree or plant. Is that not true? Fruit don't come except they are cultivated. When you see a seed, what are you thinking? Fruit. Is that not true? If you're eating a fruit you like, if not that you are in New York, you're eating a fruit you like and you like the way it tastes, you keep the seed. Why? What do you want to do with the seed? You want to plant it somewhere. Praise the Lord. So Jesus has this fruit, this seed that he got from the Father. And he felt it was good for him. So he wants to, he sowed it in his brethren. Are you following? And ask the Holy Spirit to help him cultivate it. So when you sow that seed, what do you do? You spend the rest of the time doing what? Cultivating it. Because you're looking forward to that fruit. Does that make sense? 
That's why it's called the fruit of the Spirit. It is God's character traits. It is God's divine virtues. The virtues of Almighty God. Hallelujah. It's God's own mor level of morality. Are you all following? That he sowed in us through Jesus Christ and allows the Holy Spirit to enable us to cultivate and manifest them. Praise God. Amen? And they are expressed as character or kingdom values or moral excellence in the believer. They are expressed as what? Character or what? Moral what? Or kingdom values and what? Moral excellence in the believer. There are two passages of scripture in the New Testament where they are listed. Let's go to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. Hallelujah. Go to Galatians chapter 5. Amen. Go to verse, um, I believe, 16. Mm. But I say, walk by the what? Spirit, and you will not do what? Carry out. The kingdom says, fulfill the what? The desire of the flesh. What is at work here is character. Whose character do you want to manifest? The character of God or the character of the devil? Okay, but, okay 17. For the flesh sets its desire against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another. Next. So that you may not do the things that you please. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Next. 19. I'm going somewhere here. Now the deeds of the flesh. Notice. These are a set of character. A, a one set of character. They are called the deeds of the flesh. Without mincing words, let me tell you right away, they come from the devil. This is the character, set of character that the devil sowed in man through the fall. Nothing there will look pretty, sound pretty to you. Are you ready? Number one is what? Immorality. Number two is what? Impurity. Number three is what? Sensuality. Number four, idolatry. Number five, sorcery. Number six, enmities. Hey. Do you notice how close enmities in church is to idolatry and sorcery, witchcraft? Did you notice that? A lot of people think that one level of sin is worse to the other. Do you understand this, son? You didn't hear me. Huh? You say, thank God. You know, let's go back to the first line. Those are sins of the flesh. Sexual sins. Amen? That's the first category. Let's go to the second category. These are sins of the spirit. These are uh, um, occult practices. Idolatry. See the second category, right? Idolatry and sorcery. Now let's come to the third category. Many Christians stay away from the first category. And stay away from the second category. But when they come to the third category, they land, they build a house. No, you didn't hear me. Huh? But in the eyes of God, they are all the same. Am I making sense to you here? Is that, uh, am I making sense? Let's look at the third category. Because a lot of Christians do them without knowing they're, they're as evil as the first two categories. Look at them. And they sound pretty to them. Enmities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Strife. Right? Jealousy. Ooh. Outbursts of anger. Disputes. Some Christians will argue until their eyes turn red. And they get your own to turn blue. Amen? 
dissensions, divisions, factions, go ahead, dissensions, disagreements still, divisions, envyings, drunkenness, carousing, and things like this, of which I forewarn you, that just as I have forewarned you, that those who, listen to this, who do what? Go ahead. Who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But we have preachers tell us today that it doesn't matter. Once saved, you always saved. You can do any of these things. Move to the next level. That's where we're going now. But the fruit, did you notice the word but? This is God's own character, set of character and attributes. The other set was from who? The devil. They are the manifestations of the fallen man, the Adamic nature. These are the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. They are traits. Who, who, who is the one who walked in these fruits we're about to look at perfectly? Jesus. So the Holy Spirit wants to replicate Jesus in, this, through this, uh, in us through these fruits. Are you understanding the idea? And then let's look at the fruit. But the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness. All right, next. Gentleness, self-control, against such things there is no law. These are the fruit of the Spirit. But we are interested in one this evening. Go back to, to the, the beginning of the fruit of the Spirit. Yes. Did you see where it says faithfulness? Huh? All right. In the King James, what was the word? Anybody has the King James? Anybody has the King James on that verse? What verse is that? 22. If you have a King James, show me verse 22. Uh, faith, right? So in the King James, which is the Bible most people read, right? It's called what? Faith. Now you've seen faith in another shade of word. So some people will tell you when they get there, they say, oh, faith is a fruit. You can't exercise faith until you have borne the fruit. No. This is another shade of word, meaning of the word faith. The same Greek word was the Greek word pistis. Is that correct? So this is another shed. So the King James calls it faith. But the New American Standard, NIV, and the Amplified Version correctly translated it what? Faithfulness. So that shade of meaning there is what? Faithfulness. What is it? This is faith as a fruit or faith as a character. Pastor, what do you mean? Here's what I mean. This is not a faith you wake up one day and you say, let us pray and believe God to receive uh, healing. Just now, just now, just now. That's a different kind of faith. Shade of meaning of faith. This level of shade of meaning of faith, can I tell you what it is? It is a cultivation of the attribute of faithfulness. As we saw in the Old Testament. This is the New Testament equivalent. Are you all following? How does this come? This comes by in two ways. It is a fruit, a character trait that the Holy Spirit brings up in you by which you are able to reckon with God as somebody who is faithful or dependable. You know, not many of us see that. Uh, is, is anybody understanding what I'm saying? Huh? Oh, some of us want just God. Uh, we don't even know who God is. We don't know the attributes of God, especially the fact that God is faithful. 
we don't reckon with the fact that God is faithful. It's a nature of God. So whenever anything happens, we are not sure whether God will be there or not. Are you following? When you relate with God, there's a character trait in you, the Holy Spirit will bring in you, that will make you recognize the fact that God is faithful, meaning he's always reliable and you can always depend on him. That's one side of it. What would that give to you? What would that do in you? It will build what? Trust. You will have what? Trust. Because that trust makes you to always see God as somebody who is faithful. Meaning, God, you see God as somebody whom you can always, 24-7, rely on, depend on. Why? Because you have been trained by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has cultivated in you an attribute, a character that makes you begin to see God as somebody who is faithful. That's trust. It's called trust. Let's look at the opposite of it. That fruit also allows the Holy Spirit to train you, bring forth a character trait in you that will make you also faithful, meaning that will make God and men to do what? See you as what? Reliable, as dependable. And you, if you ask them, why are you relying on this guy? Why are you relying on this sister? They say, because he is faithful. He is, he is dependable. Or she is faithful, she's dependable. You say, but is she perfect? Well, she's not perfect, but you know, whenever I call on her, she answers. If there's anything to be done, she's always there to do it. Are there people like that among us? You know, you know, we need more of such people. Amen. This is not faith now of you trying to receive healing for you. No, this is a character trait. And let me tell you what that character trait does and how you can get it. When you have this character trait, when it comes to exercising faith to receive from God, you won't have a struggle. No, I, I don't think you understand what I'm saying. Eh? Okay. See that? That's why he said, Hebrews 11, 3, I say, he said, without faith, it's impossible to do what? Please God. For he that comes to him must what? First what? Believe that he what? He is. And that he is what? A rewarder of them who do what? Diligently seek you. You know, in that verse, you see the faithfulness of God, and you see also the faithfulness of the person. Because he says he's a rewarder. He doesn't reward today and don't reward tomorrow. Are you all following? And who does he respond to in that faithfulness? Those who diligently. Uh, what does it take to be diligent? Faithfulness. Huh? Reliability. If you see a diligent person, you see somebody you can count on, even if your eyes are closed. Are you following? Sometimes I've gone home and there are people and I feel that something needs to be done in this church. There are people I can call. It's not just because they don't live in the Bronx. Even if they live in the Bronx, they may tell you they're going to go and lock the door. <laughs> the door is left open. But there are people you call. They, they say, I'm going there now. But, but, by the way, there are people you call, you, you, they won't pick the phone. Or maybe their phone may have been vib on vibrate since Monday. If it's not on vibrate, they don't know what it is, where it is. And then when they find that you call them, they won't call you back. And on Sunday, we come here and say, praise the Lord, oh, single, single. No. We need more than the oh, single, single. 
Is anybody following what I'm saying? We need to. This is a training by the Holy Spirit. Let me give you an example. And tomorrow we, and, and, uh, did I say tomorrow? We have service tomorrow, right? All right. <laughs> Next Thursday, we will continue on this. And I'll show you. So this faithfulness, amen, gets the believer to reckon with God's dependability or faithfulness. Is that correct? And then also, he, on the same, at the same time, lives as one upon whom both God and man can depend. Is that clear? Let me give you an example and we close. Next Thursday, we look at the scriptures. Can I give you an example? The perfect example is your relationship with your bank. Aha. Uh -huh. Are you following? How many of you have bank accounts here? I don't, don't worry, I won't ask you for the numbers. Account number. How many of you have bank accounts here? Yeah, everybody. Eh? Okay. Ryan, you don't? Where's uh, Isaac? Isaac, until you face me, you're backing me, I don't see your hand. Praise the Lord. Now, watch what happened. Do you know why you go to your bank and deposit your account? And you tell your job, direct what? Deposit. You trust them whether you know it or not. You do what? You trust them. <laughs> you say the banks are dependable, especially in this country. Have you seen what they write at the back beneath F, the name of any bank? FDIC. Okay, that oh, they write that so that your trust level come up. Is that correct? Okay. You know, if the bank collapses, it has insurance with the federal government that they can pay you your money. So you go there and drop the money with a cashier you may be meeting for the first time. Say, what's your name? You'll fill your information, blah, blah, blah. Take it. Gives you. All you give you is a what? A ticket or receipt. Is that correct? And what do you do after that? You walk away. Your money there, you're walking away. Do you know what you're doing? You're trusting them with the money. And don't tell me it's not a big money. All right? You're trusting them. You say the bank is dependable. It's reliable. Especially if you see the name. Ah, J.P. Morgan Chase. And you find out they have been there. Since the 30s, I think over 100 years. You know, there are banks who were here when I came to this country. They are no longer there. <laughs> All right. Some of that banks bought them up and so on and so forth. But, but at, at least while it lasted, they made sure you don't lose your. When I came, they used to have chemical bank. Do they still have it? No. Okay. Okay. So on and so forth. Many of the people have not heard of chemical bank. They don't bank chemical. It was money. Praise the Lord. Are you following? Okay. Guess how else it works. Here's the reverse side. The reverse side is that you, you go to your bank for loan. Uh-huh. You know what you're telling them? You can rely on me. Is that true? So it's not a one-sided faith. That's how it is between us and God. You go to your bank and say, I need a loan. You know it happened with us and the bank that we trusted them to bank with them. When it was time for us to take loan, they, they didn't trust us. No, Sister Sharon, I'm telling you the truth. Okay? Until we worked it out and we got the trust from them. Praise the Lord. So that happens. That happens. Let me say to you, God has given us all his gifts. Are you following? But do you know there are levels that God doesn't trust us? I'm telling you the truth. There are things. Look at Israel and Jacob. What do you think? 
one person proved that, God, you can't trust me with that heritage of being the ancestor of the Messiah. And let's face it. Cain and who? Abel. The same thing. You go down the line. Okay? So you have to. You have to. It's not, it's not religion of works. No. You have to prove. He gave talents to his people. Is that correct? Before he left. Remember that parable? Huh? Did everybody behave rightly with what he gave them? Let's face it. Do you notice he gave them different measures? Huh? Because he knew how much they would bring forth. Praise the Lord. So, he does. So, you don't, he bless all of us. But many times, the, what is hindering us is the fact that we are not faithful with what he has given us. <laughs> Do you know, that's a, a, a principle in the Bible that says, to whom much is given, right? Much is expected. Is that correct? Okay. There's another principle that says, it just came to me right now, but it says something like, if you are faithful, oh, come on. <laughs> you will also be what? Faithful in what? The big ones. That's the character. Let me say this to you. You are flying on one wing if you don't know faith as a character. If you do not walk with faith as a character. Did you understand what I'm saying? Okay. So next Thursday, we are going to look at people and scriptures that speak of this faith. So in other words, get it this way. Uh, one of the most important shades of meaning for faith in the New Testament is of faith as a fruit of the Holy Spirit. You say, what does that mean? It's faith as a character trait. And let me tell you, it means, it's not that, it, 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 means it goes beyond just waiting for a problem or a need. Listen to me. It goes beyond just waiting for a problem or a need to arise before you exercise faith. No. This person is continually exercising faith. How does he do that? By seeing God as faithful. Are you following? If you don't see God as faithful, you can't do what the things you're supposed to do. Let's face it. Amen? You know why you see me here every day? You know why I, do the, I give to God? You know why I'm giving my talent to God? Because I know he's faithful. Look at what happened, the testimony I gave you. Is God faithful? Okay. The testimony I gave you. It, that's the reason why I serve God. Because I know that even when I'm sleeping, he's faithful to take care of my business. You know, I told Prince yesterday, I said, Prince, you see, I wasn't even there, but people took care of my sister. Took care of her. If I was there, I love my sister. But to be honest, I'd be considering that physics in that pit. I'm just telling you the truth. Okay. And I, 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 would I have the strength? Two people jumped in. I mean, this lady has brothers and sisters scattered around the world, but not, including husband and children. Not one was there. But God mobilized people to go to that extent. Is God not faithful? What will make me not to serve him the way I'm serving? Let me tell you. You know, when I see people and help people, it's because I know that God is faithful. When I see ladies struggling to come out of a place on the highway, I don't go and show them macho. No, I say, no, that could be my wife. 
That could be any of my daughters. That could be my congregants. And I wouldn't somebody to treat them that way. Are you following? So when you're doing that, because you know that God is faithful, do what you have to do. Because when I have a lot of people that need to be taken care of in that way too. So I take care of this one, knowing that God is faithful. I'm not going to say, oh, if I take care of this, I don't know the other, other people there who will not take care of it. Listen, if you read the news coming out around the world, it's all evil people, terrorists, killing people and all that. You wouldn't have thought that somebody would jump into the pit filled with feces and mud to get your sister out, to wipe her out, to, to clean her, and to change her clothes, and pay her fare to go home. They say it pays to serve God. And you know what? If you're serving God, serve it well. Because that's where faithfulness comes. You don't give God half and half. Am I making sense to you? Next Thursday, and this consists of two sides. Trust. Listen to me. And trustworthiness. You trust God, and you make yourself worthy for people to trust you, and for God to trust you. Shall we rise? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Did you see this shade of meaning of faith? It's called the fruit of the spirit, a fruit of the spirit, faith as a fruit of the spirit. And what is the actual word there? Faithfulness. It's both Old Testament and New Testament. Lift your hands up. Amen. Amen. Pray, praise God for his faithfulness. Just thank him. Thank him for his faithfulness. And praise him for his faithfulness. Does he deserve the, uh, the, the appreciation? Does he deserve the praise? Can I hear your voices, brethren? Yeah, can you appreciate God for his faithfulness? Hallelujah. Uh, brethren, lift your voices up unto the Lord. Lift your voices up unto the Lord. The Lord God is faithful. The Lord God is faithful. Faithful is he who has called you. Holy Ghost. And thank you, Lord. Worship you, Lord. We bless you, O Lord. Jeboriande. Yaboriande kesa. Yaboriande kesa. Yaboriande kesa. Mante kese. Mante kese. Jeboriande. In the name of Jesus. By the power of the Holy Ghost. Jemporia. Jempoko. In the name of Jesus. I will sing. Of the goodness of the Lord, forever I will sing. Oh, I will sing. Lift your hands up. I will sing of the goodness of the Lord, forever I will sing of the goodness of the Lord. With my Will I live? 